welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Are you ready for the word this morning? I am ready. The title of my message is Power in Your Desert, Power for Your Promise. Power in Your Desert, Power for Your Promise. You know, in the Old Testament, God would reveal Himself to His people. He would reveal Himself to His people in many different ways. He, he had almost different names of how He would describe Himself. And as we work our way through the passages, what we find is God almost giving a glimpse or pulling back the curtain and revealing himself in different ways. The way he revealed himself was through different names that he would describe himself as. That in certain scriptures he described himself in certain ways and in in certain different contexts. And the Jewish culture of the time, whenever they understood these names, they saw these names as so holy. They had such reverential fear and sacredness towards these names that it wasn't a case of them going, oh yeah, these are just like nicknames of God. But rather, these names are so holy that if the Jewish culture ever penned these names, they would never erase them because they saw them as so holy and they have this reverential fear towards understanding the sacredness of the names of God. Why was that? Well, it was in simple fact, not simply because God was giving himself a nickname. He wasn't like calling himself, hey, this is, you know, like me, semi-professional rapper, my nickname self-proclaimed is Bone Crusher. Um, it's, not, it's not like, you know, it's not like a nickname just gave himself, like you can call me the Bone Crusher or anything like that. Um, what he was doing was he was revealing not just a name of God, but rather the nature of God. He was revealing not just what he does, but who he is. He was revealing that the character, the integrity, that this is the very nature of who I am, the God that you serve, this is who I am. The reason he did this was because he understood that for us as his people, for us to be able to establish the kingdom of God here on earth, we'll never be able to establish a kingdom if we don't know the king. We'll never be able to establish the ways of the kingdom, like Pastor Gray was speaking about this morning, if we don't know the king and his nature and his character, his integrity, the way he moves, the the, the the things that lean his heart towards. See, he was doing this. He was, he was pulling back the curtain in a sense, revealing himself as who he was. And we find in Exodus 15, 26, the first time in Scripture, God reveals himself as this name, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. For the very first time, we land in Exodus chapter 15, and for the first time, he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha to his people. What does this name mean? Well, he's revealing himself as, I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who heals you. The context of this passage is they're about three days into their journey into the desert after crossing over the sea. The, the, as we know, the sea was parted. They crossed over and they fled Egypt. They escaped hundreds of years of slavery. And God had set them free as a nation, set them free as his people. And they'd stepped into this brand new season of freedom. They're only three days in and um, they end up uh, uh, almost wandering around looking for some kind of water. They're looking for food. They're looking for, for almost something that's going to keep them going. They even start to mumble, groan, 
whinge amongst their group, starting to complain only three days in that, man, I, I wish we were back in slavery because at least there we had food, at least there we had water. And they start to whinge about their freedom, whinge about the fact that God had set them free, that I find it even coincidental that the same God that parted the sea was the same God that they now couldn't trust in to be able to give them water to drink. Just crazy thought. Three days in, they find this oasis. They run up to it. <laughs> they obviously start drinking the water. They've been thirsty, things like that. And as they start to drink it, they realize it's contaminated, it's bitter. The, the scriptures say that as they drank the bitter water, their souls become bitter. Their souls become bitter. They start complaining to their leader, Moses, saying, hey, why are we even out here? The water, we can't drink it. We're all going to die. Moses does the, the, the thing that any good leader, any godly man would do in this moment, that when a crisis hits or a circumstance comes his way, he doesn't get anxious, he doesn't whinge, he doesn't, he doesn't get led astray, but he, in fact, he takes his crisis and takes it to God. He takes this thing to God and says, hey, we, we need some help here. And, and God responds and says, what you need to do is you need to take a step of faith in this moment, pick up this stick, throw it into the water. When the stick hits the water, I'm going to heal the water and you're going to be able to drink it. I find it funny that as the Israelites drank the bitter water, the scriptures say their soul became bitter. This reveals to me that our circumstances, our crisis and our situation isn't just a revealer of our scenario we find ourselves in, but it reveals the state of our soul. It reveals our resolves. It reveals our value systems. That when we come across a circumstance and our soul turns bitter in reaction to it, I wouldn't question, does the circumstance throwing you astray? But what was the resolve in your soul? Because this is where the people are at. They're responding this way. But Moses steps out in faith. He throws a stick in the water. The water is healed. And then we land in Exodus 15, 26. God says, just as the water is healed, I'm, I, I'm the Lord who heals you. Or in, or in the original translation, I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God who wants to heal you. You know, all through passage, we see God revealing himself in different ways, revealing himself to the people of God. And I remember the first time when I was a young leader, I was, I was in youth ministry and um, I was probably on the journey myself of going through my spiritual formation, discovering, um, uh, I suppose, my, my, my theological framework of how God moves, what are His ways, what is His will for my life, different things like that. One of them I was wrestling with was understanding the, the, um, the context of does God heal, doesn't He heal, is His will to heal every time, does He heal sometimes but not other times, is there sometimes He withholds His healing trying to get in the context of that. They understand the sovereignty of God and is, is it all on God and none on me? And if God does it, he does it. If he doesn't, then that, I suppose I just have to live with it. Or is there some sense of where my faith can come into the equation where I'm meant to co-labor with him and link arms with him and coexist with him and actually live out the plans of God um, that he's called us to live. So I was on this journey and I was probably, in all honesty, still wrestling with it. And I remember it was one night, it was, it was, it was a Friday night at youth and this young man comes through the door. He'd never been to, never been to church for no context of Jesus or of, of, of church or anything like that. He comes through the door. He's actually got a moon boot on. He's got crutches on. 
And um, I found out a little bit later that he was kind of coming through the junior ranks in the dance academies and different things like that around the nation. Um, And through different uh, dance routines and things like that that he was going through, it actually snapped his ankle in three different places. He was wearing a new moon boot. It was just not a good situation. I remember in that moment, as I saw him come through the gate, I'm having this prompting, go pray for him. God wants to heal him. And I remember in that moment just thinking, uh, I don't want to pray for him. You pray for him. Like I was like, I felt like this sense of like, I didn't even have faith in this. I didn't even know if God wants to heal. Like I was still wrestling with this whole paradigm of understanding like, how does this work? How does this go down? Like I was still wrestling with this whole deal. I remember even for the first little bit, trying to go to different rooms of the youth ministry to avoid him. Because like that way at the end of the night, I could tell God I didn't see him. I'm sorry, that prompting you gave me, I actually didn't see who you were talking about. So I could just have some excuse as to why I didn't want to pray for him. But I just kept finding myself in the same room as him the whole time. Eventually at this point, it's just impressions on my heart. I'm like, all right, let's go pray for him. But God, you're going to have to show up because this is weird. And this was obviously me going on the journey. I'm in a pretty safe environment. It was that youth ministry. But even in that moment, I was still wrestling with some stuff. And I basically went up to him, hey, bro, like I'm a Christian. It's going to sound weird. I feel like God's asked me to pray for you. I feel like he wants to heal you. In that moment, he explained to me, yeah, that's cool. He explained to me the whole ankle was broken in three places. He was tripping out. He was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I just rocked up here to chat to chicks, you know what I'm saying? Like, but um, for some reason, I'm just like hanging out. Um, and now this guy wants to pray for me. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's pray. So we pray for him. And you got to understand that his ankle was, it was, because of how it was snapped and the bruising and everything, it was like swollen. It was like, it was huge. It was like, it was just like very, it was like, there was almost no ankles, just like straight, like just like real, real big. Like it was it was, like the, it was like the size of my biceps, like just huge, huge, like intimidating, like just like you saw it in a dark alleyway, you'd just be freaked out, like just like that kind of level of like huge, like I'm trying to give you context for it. So this was kind of like the feeling and, and as I prayed for him, just a simple prayer, it wasn't anything like crazy or that. I just prayed for him and said, in Jesus' name, I'll see it be healed, amen. And then I had the audacious idea to ask him, how about you take off your moon boot? Let's test it out. Now I'm just in deep. As I said it out of my mouth, I was like trying to grab the words. And uh, in this moment, he was like, yeah, okay, right. So he took off the movie. I'm not even kidding you. All the swelling had completely gone down. He started to move his ankle up, up and down. There was no pain. There was no fractures. He was totally healed in that moment. You know what happened in the next little bit? He was down the front praising God. He made a decision for Jesus that night, and his life was totally transformed. I remember at the end of the night, there was a funny conversation, because obviously, you know, he, he, he didn't have any context of church. He didn't rock up to you thinking, my ankle's going to get healed. So he didn't bring a spare shoe. So now he's just walking around with one shoe on for the entire night. Funniest part was at the end of the night, me having to explain to the parent, we don't, we don't steal shoes, we steal moon boots. That's what we do. We steal crutches. That's, that's how kind of we roll here. So that was a bit of a funny scenario. But I, that was kind of my first moment where I, I didn't just see kind of God like move over there or hear a testimony over here or hear kind of, you know, be around a miraculous environment, a supernatural environment and, and an environment that honours the power of God and the presence of God. Like I know our church does here at City Point, but it was the first time I 
I felt almost a sense where God actually used me. He moved through me and I actually witnessed a miracle take place through, through my faith and it just stretched my paradigm of understanding and getting a glimpse and getting this revealing that he's Jehovah Rapha. That healing isn't just something he does. It's who he is. He can't help himself. He doesn't want to withhold, but every time we extend our faith, God wants to meet us right there and bring healing and breakthrough to our world. You know, there's a, a few passages throughout the Old Testament where God continues to reveal himself in this way. In Psalm 147.3, says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. In Psalms chapter 30, verse 2, it says, Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help, and you healed me. In the Old Testament, he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, or the God who heals. But there's a shift in the New Testament where God's no longer just giving us a glimpse of who he is, but rather incarnate Christ comes and walks and dwells amongst us. So no longer do we have a glimpse, but we get the full expression where he doesn't just reveal that he's Jehovah Rapha. He proves that he's Jehovah Rapha. He proves that he's the Lord that wants to come and heal your life, your marriage, transform your world. We see this in 1 Peter 2, verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness and by his wounds, you have been healed. In Luke 6, 19, it says the whole crowd was trying to touch him. This is Jesus. Because power was coming out from him and healing them all. In Luke 4, verse 40, when the sun was setting, who loves a good sunset? All those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. And as he laid his hands on each one of them, he healed them. You know, this is theologically powerful when we understand the laying on of hands. That it's more than just a liturgical practice that in our Christendom we kind of practice in our faith. It's actually us understanding that the gospel isn't just information, it's impartation. It's us laying our hands on the sick, laying our hands on our kids, laying our hands on our husbands and our wives and believing for God's spirit to come upon their life and believing for us to take back authority of our homes, take back authority of our marriages, become the kings and priests again of our household and realise that we can establish kingdom culture in our homes and in our families when we understand that God wants to move through our life. But Jesus, at the capstone of his ministry, when he kind of kicks this whole deal off, he one of the very first preachers that he establishes, hey, this is why I'm here. This is, this is why I've come. He comes and establishes and essentially quotes this scripture in Isaiah, which at the time, him even saying that would have been considered heretical. It would have been considered like a, a blasphemy. It would have been considered like there's no way you could say that because if you, you're saying that, what you're saying is you're the Messiah that we know is coming. You're the son of God that we know is coming. So for Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry to get up there and preach this message, quote this scripture, it caused an absolute chaos amongst the community, amongst the Pharisees and scholars because they understood 
that him establishing this, saying, hey, I've come not just to give you a glimpse anymore. I've come to put the full kingdom of God on display so that you can know what the kingdom of God looks like. Not that so you can see it, but so you can live it, so you can walk it out in your life. In this message, it's in Luke 4, 18 to 19. This is the, this is the word that he preaches. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus entered the game with the full kingdom of God on display saying, this is why I've come, to show you an exact representation of the king. You're not just going to know me from a name basis any longer. You're going to know my very nature, not just moving around you, but dwelling in you and actually you becoming a temple of God, you housing his presence. So where does it all connect? Where does it all link when we look back at Exodus where we see the water, God heals water and then reveals himself that he wants to heal you. I feel like in my study, I became a bit of a waterologist, started to understand a bit of H2O a little bit better, and a bit of Mount Franklin. Who loves sparkling water? I love a bit of sparkling. Yeah, get a little bit of sparkling. It's good. Get around that. Um, It's like a guilt-free bubbly, you know? It's good. But... um, I feel like I've just got fixated on bubbles now. I don't know where to go. No, the, um, but as we look into this, uh, I started to read some commentaries and some scholars' thoughts on this. And there was a deeper representation here of the water. That why would God heal the water and then say, now I want to heal you? Well, the water represents something deeper than simply a people group who were thirsty and needed a drink. Scholars say that there was a reason and a deep reason as to why when they drank the water, their soul became bitter. Because the water, in a deeper way, more than just represented a group who were parched and they needed a drink, it represented the state of their hearts. That the water itself represented where their hearts were at. They say that uh, water isn't simply a case of like, it's drinkable or it's not drinkable. They say there's stages to water. There's phases to water. The first phase is where we can understand that it's a stage where water becomes impure. Scientists say that whenever a foreign substance is added to something else, it is considered impure. I wonder how many times in our hearts we've allowed foreign substances, things of the world, polluted thoughts, ideas, relationships, choices into our life, into our minds, into our hearts and allowed our hearts and lives to start to become impure. Where we've engaged with things that aren't the things of the kingdom, we start to dabble or engage with the things of the world. There's a deeper place, more than just a foreign substance coming in. It's when the water transitions to becoming contaminated. Where this is a transition from simply thoughts to now poisoning actions. It's polluting patterns, it's behaviours, where the entire water becomes contaminated and scholars say it represents our hearts, where our hearts become so polluted, where it's not just affecting our minds, but our very behaviour, our decisions, our actions are becoming affected 
by this contamination that we've allowed in. But there's a deeper place where it's deeper than just being contaminated. It's when the water's considered to be totally corrupted, totally corrupted. Where they say this represents our hearts, where someone has completely changed from their original design to the point of being rendered debased and totally unrecognizable. They become so far from where God has called them, so far from where, 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 where their, their original design was meant to be. It started off as just one thing they looked at. It started off as just one decision they made. It started off as one thing they started to entertain or one relationship they engaged in or, or different addictions they started to, started to kind, of, kind of pollute their thoughts with. It started there and they thought, oh, this is okay. It's just one off. It's just these things. Then over time, it started to become contaminated. It started to become corrupted to the point of now when they look themselves in the mirror, they don't even know who they are anymore. This is what this water is representing. So why would God say when he wants to heal the water, he wants to heal you? It's because God, when he says, I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord who wants to come and heal you. He's not just talking about a sprained ankle or a headache or your physical body. Because you've got to understand, we serve a Trinitarian God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the same way, He created us as triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. So when God says, I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord who wants to come and heal you. He's saying, I don't just want to come and heal your body. I want to heal your mind. I want to heal your soul. I want to heal your spirit. I want to transform you from the inside out, that polluted thoughts, the thought life, the negativity, the anxiousness, the things that are wrapping your heart. I want to come in there and transform transform you from the inside out. We see this in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Why would Jesus reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha to the Israelites three days into their journey. He ultimately was trying to show them something. He's saying, you've got a journey ahead. There is a season you've got ahead where you may be about to be walk, about to walk through a desert. But there is a promise coming. And I want to let you know from the outset that the same power that's going to bring healing to your life in the desert is the same power that's going to get through to, the, to your promise. You may be in a desert season. You may have just walked through the year from hell. You may have walked through a year of brokenness. You may be standing here on December 19, and this time last year, you thought 2021 was going to look different, but now you're standing here feeling broken and feeling like, man, I feel disconnected, and you're feeling like, man, nothing's gone my way. God wants to let you know that the same power that got you through this year. It's the same power that's going to lead you to your promise, to your breakthrough, to your healing, to your restoration. It's the same power. You know, there's, um, there was a story where, and if I, we could have the team come, that'd be cool. There was, um, <coughs> I feel like I need Jehovah Rapha, hey. Um, oh yeah, thanks. That's a water anointing this morning, I think. It's probably, I can't even do that. Yeah, we're just, 
need bigger bicep anointing as well, probably. So good. <clears throat> the, um, a little early this year, we were, we were travel, I traveled with a friend up, up north Queensland and preaching at a conference up there. And it was just, a, just an amazing weekend where God did some incredible things. And it was one of those nights where uh, last night at a conference and God was just moving powerfully and healings were breaking out. The people were falling over under the power of God. There was just bodies everywhere. It looked like a war zone. It was just, it was just awesome, like just seeing what God wanted to do in that moment and seeing God minister that way and bless people. And um, there was a little bit into this praying for people and... Um, I kind of looked up and after I'd finished praying for someone and there was this young girl, she's kind of in the back of the auditorium, caught eyes with me and then ran off. And obviously, you know, I'm kind of used to girls running away from me, so it's not a big deal. Um, but um, so I was kind of like, yeah, whatever, like didn't even think much of it, kind of just moved on. Um, only for maybe like 20 minutes later for her to kind of reappear and kind of wave over to me and, and, and ask me to come over. And I, I grabbed my friend, grabbed a leader, and we headed over just to see if she was okay. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Um, she basically just started expressing to me that um, she, um, she, this was new for her. You know, she'd never been in church. She kind of came along because she wanted to hang with friends. She didn't really get this whole Jesus thing. But she was witnessing what God was doing in the room and how God was bringing freedom to people and breakthrough to people and, she was witnessing really Jehovah Rapha at work, not just transforming people's bodies, but their souls and their spirits and making them new again. And she said, you know what? Like, there's something in my heart that wants it. There's something deep down that makes me want that freedom. I don't know what it is, but I, I just think tripping me out, to be honest. She, she, she even got super vulnerable and said, to be honest, the reason I ran out was because as people were falling over under the power of God, it triggered something in me. Because I grew up in an abusive home and it reminded me every time I used to be laid out unconscious, my dad would beat me. And this was her story. This was the brokenness she'd walked through, the oppression that was on her life, the anxiousness, the trauma, the pain, the suffering that she was walking through. And that was a story. But something I wouldn't wish upon anyone. There was something in her that said, man, I'm, even though it's triggering me, there's something that makes me want that. I want that freedom. And she was like, can you, can you pray for me? I was like, yeah, we can pray for you. And she, she was like, to be honest, it's like I'm, I'm a super triggering environment right now. It's pretty intense. So do you mind if I just stand here? Like, don't, don't touch me. Like, just, just pray for me type thing. And the best part is, is we said, of course, because God's a gentleman. He just knocks. All we have to do is let him in. And it was beautiful because it was that moment where you don't have to fall over to encounter God, although that's awesome and wonderful and always great. But you can do it standing, you can do it sitting, you can do it on the bus, you can do it in your bedroom, you can do it at home. You can encounter God. You, he'll, you, you can receive Him wherever you're at. So she was like, man, I don't, don't touch me. I'm just going to stand here. Like, just pray for me. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And as we prayed for her, the presence of God just fell upon her, just powerfully. She said in that moment, she encountered God. She saw several demons just leave her in that moment, totally transformed. She even, she even started just like jumping up and down. It was like joy in Canada heart for the first time. She was like, man, this is better than any drug I've ever taken. This is better than any high. This is like the greatest thing I've ever experienced. 
It was like wonderful seeing God move that way. But the craziest thing was the next day. The next day, we're probably about an hour away from where the conference was, heading back to the airport. We're stopping to get coffee, heading back to the airport. And we, um, we uh, like I said, we're kind of geographically not, not where the people are. So I didn't expect to run into anyone, bump into anyone, anything like that. We're in this coffee shop and around the corner comes this young girl. And I'm like, oh, and I turned to my friend and said, oh, that's that girl we prayed for last night. I had that like awesome encounter. That's, that's amazing. She sees us, comes running over. And I feel like God had kind of orchestrated this whole moment just to teach me something, just to show me something. Because in this moment, she comes around the corner, runs up to us, and I saw a little girl standing in front of me. It was like I was looking at a different girl to the one I saw the, the night before. Her body language had completely shifted. She looked like she'd gotten her confidence back. All her insecurities had left. The, 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 the hunched over, no value, no worth. It had all lifted on her. I looked into her eyes and it was like I'd saw her innocence restored, her purity restored. She looked like she was a kid again, just running around. The night before, it looked like I'd seen someone who'd walked, to, walked through too many things. And the next day, it looked like I just saw an innocent young kid who if I'd met her on that day, I would have thought no one had even touched her and she'd been totally restored. This is Jehovah Rapha, the one who wants to come and transform your soul from the inside out. This is the God we serve. He doesn't just want to have the power to heal you physically, although He wants to do it. It's emotional healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, neither impurity of the body or impurity of the soul can withstand the purifying power of Jehovah Rapha. If we could all close our eyes, that'd be amazing. I'd love to pray with you. And maybe you're here for the very first time and like I said, you're still sussing this whole joint out, finding family. Maybe you call City Point home. This is your family. You, you love it. You're planted here. You serve here. Greatest question you can ever answer is, do I know Jesus? The God I'm speaking about is one who wants to bring healing to your life. His Spirit wants to come and reside on the inside of you, transform you from the inside out, give you hope, prosperity, life, and life abundant. And maybe you're here for the very first time. You've never made this decision. Or maybe you're here and you know, man, I feel distant. I feel disconnected. I could acknowledge that, hey, that's me. I've allowed impurity, contamination, corruption, different things into my thinking, into my heart life, into my, into my, around my world that has now led me to a place where, yeah, I feel like I once knew God or I kind of know Him, but I feel disconnected from Him. I feel like, I feel like I'm wrestling with some stuff. And you want to come back in right relationship with Him today. Or maybe the third person. And you're not totally sure you're saved, but you want to be. You want to be confident in your salvation. Because friend, I, I can't promise tomorrow. I don't know what your future looks like. But I know when you say yes to Jesus, your eternity is rest assured. You can promise that no matter if I walk through hell, I know all of heaven is alive on the inside of me and my eternity is rest assured. So if that's you with every eye closed and you want to make a decision today, whether for the very first time as a recommitment 
or you're not totally sure you're saved, but you want to be. You want to make a decision just to simply say yes to Jesus. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You just have to say yes and take that next step to following Him. If that's you on the count of three, I'd love, I'd love just to acknowledge you and pray with you. So if that's you on the count of three, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, whether first time recommitment or you're not totally sure you're saved, but you want to be on the count of three. I just want you to shoot up your hand really high on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Come on, is there anyone else? Wave really high. Don't miss this moment as I look. Just one last time from the left to the right. Incredible, incredible. Amazing. Hey, if we could all stand, that'd be amazing. Yeah, see that hand in the back. Incredible. If we could all stand, that'd be amazing. Amazing, amazing. Hey, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, that your presence is here. Even right now, God, those hands that went up. Well, maybe they didn't get the whole way up, Father, but they know this moment is for them. God, we thank you right now. God, the old is gone and the new has come. God, we thank you from this moment. God, you'll shift their trajectory towards a, a one of life and one of purpose, one of purity and one of power. And even right now, Father, with your presence, come and rest upon them, Father. God, and anoint them, Father. God, for all that you've called them to do. And we thank you for that, Lord. Come on, can we celebrate every decision here today? Incredible.